Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist, nutrition strategist, and private celebrity chef, assisting people with chronic illness and persistent symptoms to heal themselves with food and the power of the mind. Welcome to the Get Well Soon podcast series. Now, today we're talking about cancer. And last night I was looking up statistics on the National Institute of Health's National Cancer Institute page. And here are some of the highlights. In 2015, an estimated 1,658,370 new cases of cancer will be diagnosed in the United States. 589,430 people will die from the disease. The most common cancers in 2015 are projected to be breast cancer, lung and bronchus cancer, prostate, colon, rectum, bladder cancer, melanoma of the skin, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, uh, thyroid cancer, kidney and, and renal pelvis cancer, endometrial cancer, leukemia, and pancreatic cancer. So that's a, that's a big list right there. Um, the number of new cases of cancer, uh, 100,000 men uh, and women per year. So it's more men. Uh, the cancer mortality rate is higher among men than women, basically. Uh, so there's these are some pretty staggering statistics that we're looking at here. Uh, in 2014, an estimated 15,780 children and adolescents ages 0 to 19 were diagnosed with cancer. Uh, it's, it's a huge, it's an epidemic, and national expenditures for cancer care, uh, care in the United States total nearly 125 billion in 2010 and could reach 156 billion in 2020, telling us, of course, the cancer rates are expected to dramatically increase. One of the statistics I heard in in another group was that uh, they're expected to uh, triple by 2050. So we're looking at what's become an epidemic. Now, personally, I've watched two very close family friends pass away from the disease, and it's a really horrible thing to watch your loved one go through. A number of my clients have died from this disease, and I've also seen other people beat it miraculously. And there have been some beautiful and amazing stories. Uh, Today, I'm very excited to talk to my guest, uh, Chris Wark from Chris Beat Cancer. Chris Wark is a real estate investor and musician, and he was diagnosed with stage 3C colon cancer in 2003 at only 26 years old. It's really young. Now, after surgery, he refused chemotherapy and chose nutrition and natural therapies to heal his body. In 2010, he went public with his story and mission to inspire people to take control of their health and reverse the disease with a radical transformation of diet and lifestyle. Now today, Chris is an active blogger, speaker, and personal health coach with clients all over the world, including celebrities and even medical doctors. He's made many appearances on radio and television, including the Ricky Lake Show and the Lisa Oz Show, and he frequently speaks at health shows and wellness events around the country. Chris has reached millions of people through his YouTube channel and through his website, ChrisBeatCancer.com. I recently had the great pleasure of meeting Chris at a conference, um, and I just appreciated the kind of person that he is, uh, and just 
really enjoyed talking to him and I wanted to share his his work and his story with the audience. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, Meg. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so can you tell us, uh, so since you said you've been cancer-free since 2003, um, what can you tell us about the story and what happened for you? Why did you decide to refuse treatment? Yeah, <clears throat> so there's a, there's a backstory, but, um, which I'll try to keep short because I can talk about this for like four hours. But uh, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed in December 2003. So mm -hmm. um, I was having abdominal pain, went to the doctor. You know, they thought I had an ulcer, eventually had a colonoscopy, and they found a golf ball-sized tumor. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, right. I was 26 years old, total shock. Yeah. Like, you know, especially yeah. for colon cancer. I mean, there are more more common young adult cancers. Like, you know, young men get testicular cancer and Young adults mm -hmm. tend to get leukemia and lymphomas and things like that. But yeah, colon cancer is super rare for, for anyone under 50. So here wow. I am, this young guy with an old person's cancer. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I, like most cancer patients, I was clueless, right? And I was rushed into yep. surgery. You know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, there it's, there's a sense of urgency that doctors impose on you that you've got to do something right away or else this is going to spread and kill you, right? It's going to take over yep. your whole body. Yep. We've got to get this out of you as soon as possible, right? There's yeah. no time to spare. So I'm just like, okay, whatever you say. So yeah, well, yeah, it's such a, a serious diagnosis and so many people take it as a death sentence. Right. Absolutely. Or, you know, near death sentence. <laughs> so That's right. Well, and the fear, yeah. the fear surrounding cancer comes primarily from the cancer industry. Mm, you know, mm -hmm. people aren't afraid of cancers in third world countries. You know, they may have a lump or a bump or something on their body, but it's, it isn't until a doctor tells them this is going to kill you or in, in our country until you see your loved ones suffer through these brutal treatments. That's what's so terrifying. Oh, cancer. it's awful. Treatment yeah, it was... is what's so terrifying. So, but yeah. anyway, so I uh, had surgery. This was December 22nd when I was diagnosed. Mm. So it was three days before Christmas. I'm like, Ugh. great, you know, nice Christmas present. So wow. I had surgery a week later, roughly, uh, mm. on December 30th. They took out a third of my large intestine. They took out the tumor. They found out it had spread to my lymph nodes and took, wow. took out the ones mm. that were obviously cancerous and, uh, and some others just to, you know, to try to get clear margins. And they told me, well, we got it all, but you need to do nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. Jeez, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. Colon cancer is the number two leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Lung cancer is number one. Colon cancer is number two. If okay. surgery cured colon cancer, it would not be the number two cause of cancer death, right? So mm. they knew that surgery didn't cure me. Right. They cut out everything they could see. But they know that when you have cancer, when you have a tumor removed, you have circulating tumor cells and circulating stem cells in other parts of your body. There are uh, already in your bloodstream. Right. And if you have cancer, you should assume that your body is a place where cancer cells can thrive. You have yeah. what's called hospitable terrain. Mm, and so mm -hmm. you're just sick. You've got a sick body. And right, you right. Know, so it's only a matter of time before new tumors start forming, you know, back in your colon and your liver, you know, new parts of the body, wherever. So anyway, they said, yeah, you need another 12 months of chemotherapy because they knew the surgery didn't cure me. And yeah. I uh, went home from the hospital. I should back up. Up. Two things happened in the hospital that are that were that were pretty critical. That, you know, I, I feel like they were serendipitous. The first mm -hmm. meal they served me in the hospital after cutting out a third of my large intestine was you, you want to guess? Uh, let's see, Jello. Uh, I think so there was some Jello in there. You got you got sugar, so you're feeding the cancer the sugar. But go on. It was, it was a sloppy Joe. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh. 
gosh. It was oh, sloppy wow. joe. Worst cafeteria food you could pretty much come up with, right? Some kind of ground up meat product. Yeah, who knows sauce, exactly what that is. Burger <laughs> bun. And then there was yeah. there might have been some applesauce or some jello to the side. I, I can't remember what the side items were. But they, you know, they put this plate in front of me and they literally I had my just my gut split open, right? <laughs> And yeah, you know, here you know, here's your meal. Oh my and god! Now, I just now looked wait. at it and I thought, okay. I can't believe they're like serving me. Like, I can't believe this is the food they're giving to sick people in the hospital. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, and by the way, I did eat some of it. Yeah, just let me just be honest here. Uh, I was yeah. starving. I hadn't eaten in like two or three days. So, uh-huh. uh, the next thing that happened in the hospital that really stuck with me was. The day I was leaving, the surgeon came in and I was just, you know, I was about to go home and I was just thinking like, like, I don't want to like go home and eat like hot sauce and like, you know, dissolve the stitches and then, you know, my guts fall out or something, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was just a little concerned like about not messing things up. So I asked, I said, Hey, is there any, are any foods I need to like avoid or whatever? Uh, And he was like, nah, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh my gosh. You're kidding me. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Good advice. That's insane. But you know what's what most people do not know because I have uh, you know I'm a holistic psychologist but I have a number of friends who are medical doctors. I know you do too. Yeah. Um they do not have nutrition classes in medical school. Right. Nutrition comes up only in reference to specific diseases like diabetes that we know is all about nutrition. Right. But the thing is everything is about nutrition. Your body's made up of food. Yeah. You're built out of food. You are what you ate. <clears throat> and so uh, so here, there I was, right, in, in the hospital. And like these two little kind of red flag incidents that kind of got started the wheels turning a little bit. Sure. Um, and I, I'll go home and I'll, my wife and I prayed. We're, we're Christians, we're believers, and we, we prayed. And of course, uh-huh. we've been praying the whole time. But we, we prayed specifically about my next steps because I didn't have a good feeling about chemotherapy <laughs> like any cancer patient does. But, you know, yeah. it didn't make sense yeah. to me. Like, Okay, you're gonna poison me back to hell. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Like, it doesn't. And as much as they could explain it, like, it still doesn't make sense to me. And right. I had this conflict, right? My intuition, my instincts, you know, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, my gut. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and this is an important point you that, that you're expressing at the moment. Yes. Your, your intuition, your when your gut tells you this doesn't feel right, and the doctor is in front of you telling you, you know, I know what I'm doing because this is what I do all the time, and I'm a doctor. Yeah. Listen to your intuition. Yes. And go ahead. And so what did you do next? Well, let me, let's just stay on this point for a second because I talked to so many cancer patients and most of them, they, they agree to treatment mm-hmm. and they go against their intuition because mm-hmm. everyone around them is telling them they have to do it. Yeah. And they say yes yeah. to treatments they don't want to do, they don't feel right about, and they know are wrong. Deep, deeply, they know are wrong for them. But they're trying to appease everyone else, their family and their friends and the doctor, right? Yeah. And it's it's yeah. really sad. But I mean, this is I've talked to hundreds of cancer patients. I mean, you know, over the mm-hmm. years, and it's the same story every time. I I didn't want to do chemo. I knew it was gonna make me worse. And but yeah. I, you know, every, there was just so much pressure to do it. You know. So anyway. Um, <clears throat> my wife and I prayed about it and mm-hmm. I was basically just like, God, you know, if there's another way, just show me, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I just, I'm desperate here and this, this doesn't feel right. And yeah. two days later I got a book 
And it was, uh-huh. yeah, this book shows up on my doorstep and it was mailed to me from a man in Alaska. I'm in Tennessee. Uh-huh. And he, yeah. knew, he knew my dad. He was a business acquaintance of my dad's. And he, my dad had told him that I had can- was diagnosed with cancer, you know, a couple of weeks before. And, and he, um, you know, he had the nerve <laughs> to send me a very controversial book. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And the book was called God's Way to Ultimate Health. Okay. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, okay, well, I just prayed and asked God, you know, for some help. And I got this book called God's Way to Ultimate <laughs> Health. So, you know, like, okay, let's. I've got to at least read yeah, it. <laughs> like, let's see what this is about. And then, and the tagline yeah. on the book was like, A Common Sense Guide to Eliminating Sickness Through Nutrition. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. So I, I open the book, I start reading it, and you know, within the first chapter, I'm reading the guy's story who wrote it, a guy named George Malkmus. He was diagnosed with colon cancer, healed it with nutrition, didn't have surgery, no chemo, no radiation, nothing. But he converted to a raw diet and started juicing carrots like crazy. And in about a yeah. year, his tumor was gone. And that happened like back in 1978, something like that. And the guy was still alive yep. and had written this book and was, you know, <clears throat> pretty well known and had this kind of big, what you call it, just like a big mission and a ministry to to help people understand the, the role of nutrition in in preventing and reversing disease. And uh, and he was a believer as well. And I'm like, this is it. This is exactly what I, I'm looking for. Like, this is the answer to my prayer. I knew it immediately. This is what I'm going to do. And so I called my wife and told her, and I was really excited. Like, I mean, you know, God answers your prayer and it's just clear. I mean, it's exciting. And so, yeah. and she was like, well, you're still doing chemo, right? And I was like, no, no, no. I, no, I'm, I mean, like, I'm doing this, you know, I'm, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to start juicing and, you know, do all this stuff. And uh, and then all of a sudden I'm getting phone calls from other family members. Well, we heard you're thinking about not doing chemo and, you know, you really, you have to do chemo. You have to do what the doctor says. You know, don't you yeah. think if there was something better, they, they'd be using it and they'd know about it? And, uh-huh. yeah. and you know, I, I, I knew somebody that tried alternative therapies and they died. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I had this dilemma. Sure. Everyone yeah. around me, or a lot of the people close to me, were telling me I had to do chemo. Right. So then your your fears start to rise yeah. because then you start to question yourself, even though you know in your heart, oh, yeah. you knew in every cell of your body, you're like, this is what I have to do. I knew what I had to do, and everyone else yeah. was telling me it was wrong. It was the wrong thing. And that was the most difficult position of my life. It really was, like mentally, psychologically, yeah. it was extremely difficult. Yeah, that's so important. And you don't have the support around yeah. you. And I thank God because my mom was my only supporter in the beginning. It's funny. My mom's always been a health nut, shopped at the health food stores, was always buying, always taking lots of weird supplements and buying weird little, you know, healthy food items, you know, like yeah. uh-huh. and kelp and sprouts and stuff like that. So we always <laughs> had that stuff at the house, but she wasn't like super hardcore like moms are today, right? She was just, you know, she bought little healthy foods, but I still have my first birthday at a McDonald's, you know what I mean? So Right, right. I had, so she dabbled. Yeah, I had a pretty normal <laughs> standard American diet growing up with with some healthy accoutrements, you know, uh, mm-hmm. along the way. And so, so at least I was exposed to that. But she was an avid reader and it, it amassed a huge library, stacks and stacks and stacks of books mm-hmm. on health and healing and nutrition and had all these books by Paul Bragg and, you know. Uh-huh. 
okay, just you name great. it. She had all these like classic sort of health uh-huh. healing books. That's so great. So you you had that influence around you, yeah. and so and then you have this book, and then you have this feeling this that book. you just know you've got to do this thing. Yeah, and then I, I get the book. I told my mom, mom, and she was like, "Oh, oh, well, I've got this book and that book, and and I think I think you're making the right decision." So she supported me, which was the only mm-hmm. person that I had at that time, and no fault to my wife, but you know, my wife and, and a lot of the other family members, you know, they wanted me to they wanted me to live. They wanted me to make the best choice. They just didn't have any frame of reference for for like nutrition and healing and natural therapies. It was just like completely foreign to them. So, so they were afraid I was going to make it, make the wrong decision and die. Yeah. And and it's that way for most people too. You know, the mass thought is that this is what you do. You know, oncology is a gigantic industry and it's really, and there's the other thing I've heard this from a number of cancer patients where when you do refuse treatments like chemo and radiation, the, the way they treat you, you know, oh, yeah, the, know they, the way they make you feel like so guilty and horrible and you've got to sign this paper and you know, you shouldn't be doing, you know, just sort of shaking the finger and shaming you. Did you, did you have that experience? That's a perfectly timed question. So the next thing that happened was because of family pressure. So, well, Mm -hmm. let me back up. So I immediately went out and bought a juicer and started shopping Uh it, went to Whole Foods, started, bought tons of organic produce, converted to a raw vegan diet overnight, right? I was like doing it all the way starting. Okay. (laughs) That's great. And, and, but I also had this family pressure to, to like, will you please go see the oncologist? Just hear what he has to say. Maybe there are some alternative therapies, that kind of stuff. So that you don't know about or whatever. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll go see the oncologist. So, you know, we go to this clinic in Memphis and in the parking lots packed, the waiting room is packed. I sit down, I'm looking around just scanning the room, wondering if like, you know, okay, who I'm in the cancer club now, like who else is in the club? Everybody there was twice my age, gray hair. You know, I'm 26. Everybody there is like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And I'm just saying, God, I don't belong here. I had a handlebar mustache and like long shaggy hair (laughs) as a musician. Still, but you know, I was like a rock dude. And you're like, I I am not this demographic. Yeah, no. Wait, I'm too cool for this. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm looking around and it was like, this is just so weird. And then the the television was on and we're watching, we're sitting in the waiting room, you know, you're waiting forever. It was one of the morning shows, you know, like the Today Show or one of those shows. And out comes Jack LaLanne. Uh, and he comes out and he starts awesome. going off about nutrition. And the reason we're sick is because we're eating all this man-made processed junk food, right? And too right. many animal products. And if you return to a diet that's food from the earth, that can heal your body. And he said, if man made it, don't eat it. Uh, and I was like, at the television. Like I couldn't believe that was on right at the moment I was in the clinic because I'd already yeah. And reading and like, you know, starting to understand and believe that this was possible and that right. nutrition could help me. And then it was like confirmation, you know, it was just like divine exactly. confirmation via Jack. Yeah. And so I looked at my wife and I was like, can you believe this is like, this is on right now. And she was like, yeah, that's pretty weird. So <laughs> we finally go to see, you know, get into the oncologist's office and, you know, look, this guy's a busy guy. He's probably took two minutes to flip through my chart. You know, okay, who's this guy? What's his name? What's he got? Right? Right. In his right. office. And he comes in. He's like, okay, you know, here's what you got. Um, you know, here are the treatments. He's 5-FU, um, Lucavorin. And, uh, you know, you've got about a 60% chance of living five years, you know. And wow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. He, oh, my gosh. And, crazy. of course, their statistics are based on their world. Well, yeah. And here's what's crazy. He, he basically lied to me because 
60% chance of living five years is the statistic for all cancer patients. Like if you lump them all in one group. And oh out, my gosh. It wasn't age specific. It wasn't diagnosis specific. It had nothing. It was, it was like he was trying to tell me something that would give me more hope when the truth was I had about a 28% chance of making it to the five-year mark. That, really? Yeah. That was the real statistic. I didn't know that until later. Uh, but Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So he just, he just basically flat out lied to me because I guess he, was, he thought maybe it would give me more hope. So I asked him, but, but having said that, he said 60% chance of living five years. And I thought, that sucks, right? Those are not good yeah. odds. That's like a, basically like a coin toss, right? That's, I mean, oh, exactly. I'm, I'm yeah, not that's... impressed by that and certainly not encouraged, uh, you know, or don't have much confidence in your therapy if that's the best you can yeah, get. Yeah, exactly. So we asked him about alternative therapies. Well, we asked him about the raw diet. He mm -hmm. said, you can't do that. It'll fight the chemo. What? Yeah. That's what he said. That's what he said. Okay, fight the chemo? What do you mean it'll fight the chemo? Yeah, well, there's this old idea that's since been basically disproved, but that, you know, when, when you're taking chemotherapy, it does destroy your immune system. But they were, doctors yep. were afraid, and this, this started back, I think, in the 60s or 70s, but they were afraid that if cancer patients ate a raw apple or something or broccoli, that there would be some bacteria that could, you know, hurt them, right? Oh, their immune right, system right. was so depleted. So they would put cancer patients on what's called a neutropenic diet, which is a diet that's all cooked food. And right. um, so that's why they say it'll fight the chemo. And plus it does, when you're on a raw diet, your body's aggressively detoxifying and it'll kick the chemo out really fast. And it's it's much less effective. I so, see, okay. Yeah, they want it to yes. get in there so basically... destroy, you know, and your body has is so rich in antioxidants and protective factors that it actually protects, you know? I see. So basically what the raw diet would do would be to wash the chemo out, yeah, sort of. which is which is what the whole idea behind a raw diet. So it's it's trying to fight the chemotherapy for, before it can really even fight the cancer. Yeah. So if you're if you're doing the two together, you're you're creating an even greater fight for yourself. I don't think so. Just... No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think. No. I think okay. it's fine. Uh, obviously, I'm not a doctor. Anybody listening to this, this is not medical advice. But my, my right. opinion is, um, it doesn't protect the cancer cells. Okay. It just protects mm -hmm. you, right? Because. Okay. Your body and your immune system ultimately are the ones that have to deal with the cancer. Your immune system is what keeps you cancer free and tumor free. Sure. We all have mm -hmm. cancer cells, but your your immune cells are the ones that recognize, identify, and eliminate cancer cells before they congregate and form mm -hmm. a you know lesion, lump, bump, tumor, whatever. So mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a different way of thinking. You know, when when I think about cancer, I think about healing it. I don't think about killing it, yes. you know? Yeah, and that's a huge distinction. Yeah, it's a different... Between a different the natural strategy. therapy, yeah. And cancer is you. These are your cells. It's like mutiny, right? You're, you're not taking care of yourself. You're sick, and you're, it's like your cells saying, hey, we don't like the way you're running things. We're taking over, right? And right. so you have to really start taking care of your body. When you give your body the nutrition it needs, then it, things work better, and your immune system works. And anyway, changes happen on the, on the uh, genetic DNA level of your cells, so cancer-promoting genes are switched off cancer preventing genes are switched on like all kinds of amazing stuff happens when you really start pumping in the nutrition so mm -hmm. i didn't know any of this right so i'm sitting in the, in the oncologist's office and i asked him if there were any alternative therapies available and that's when he turned on me and he got very wow. condescending and arrogant and intimidating and he, he looked at me and he said if you don't do chemotherapy you're insane wow and the rest of the conversation was just a blur because I had so much stress and anxiety. You know, when you're stressed, your memory kind of gets 
haywire. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It does. I mean, you, you're it, when you're really stressed, your memory doesn't record. Mm-hmm. That's why people that are in like really stressful situations, they don't remember what happened. You know, like what happened? I don't know. I don't remember. It's like I blacked out. So I don't even remember the rest of the conversation. We, I walked yeah. out of his office. Let me say this. I walked into the clinic confident in what I was doing. I walked mm-hmm. out of his office and went straight to the desk and made an appointment to get a port put in to start chemo. Wow. Yeah, I was absolutely terrified, you know, and that's the, the way many oncologists do it is they use fear to motivate yep. you to take action. If you don't do what I say, you're going to die. Again, I'm not trying to make them all out to be bad people, but it is no. a very common strategy that cancer patients deal with. It's their paradigm. That's, That's what right. they know. That's right. <clears throat> and they're serious about it. And, you know, they're serious about it. You better do this or you're going to die. And the reality is most people that do it still die. I mean, you said yep. at the beginning of our interview, which is correct, 589,000 cancer patients are dying every year. If that mm-hmm. doesn't tell you that standard treatments aren't working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it does. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, you know, lung exactly. cancer. I mean, um, heart disease is the number one killer. Barely more. It's in the 600,000s. And cancer's is 589,000. Americans a year. So, I mean, and it's going to overtake lung cancer, I mean, uh, heart disease in in the coming years. So people that think cancer treatments are working, uh, you know, most of them don't understand how many people are dying of cancer. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, exactly. and the way the industry defines working is very different than the way a patient defines working. So when a, an, an oncologist says, well, this treatment, you know, works really well, what they're saying is it shrinks tumors, right? Right. The patient right. thinks, oh, it works really well. It cure, it'll cure me. It, it's curing people. Totally different definition, right? When they use the exactly. word effective, not doesn't mean cure, just means when they when we give you this, there's going to be some tumor shrinkage. We know that's going to happen. Does, right. Doesn't mean it's going to go away completely. And if it does go away completely, doesn't mean it's not coming right back. And the more and more to the point, if you are still doing the same things that you were doing prior to the cancer, putting the same things in your body that were that were feeding it, making it bigger and making it, you know, happen in your body, you're going to probably get it again. So you have to make changes. So you made a lot of changes. And I know a big part of it was your diet, your exercise. Huge. Um, Huge part. So did you go completely plant-based and are you still plant-based today? Before I answer that, let me add tack on to something you just said. Sure. Um, cancer is a divine tap on the shoulder. Yes. <laughs> a wake up call. There's a message, right? The message mm-hmm. is the way you're living is killing you. Yeah. And every cancer patient I talk to, this is what I tell them. And every cancer patient needs to know this because when you take responsibility for your health, when you look at your situation in life, by the way, most of the problems we have in life are our fault. We cause most of our problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most, mm-hmm. not all, but most. Yeah. And I think it's a very healthy attitude to have, not to blame yourself, not to beat yourself up and, you know, wall right. self-pity or something, but just to say, hey, this is my fault. I screwed up, right? I have yeah, taken care of myself. And by the way, when I ask cancer patients, why do you think you have cancer? They all, almost all of them know why. They know stress mm-hmm. is always a huge factor and they haven't been taking care of themselves, usually because of stress, because stress leads us to destructive behaviors like overeating and junk food and being a workaholic, mm-hmm. and using drugs and alcohol and uh, unhealthy yep. relationships and anger, right? So s- stress kind of fuels all this destructive lifestyle, diet and lifestyle behavior that, that can lead to cancer. Anyway, that's a whole nother hour long conversation, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the point is our choices matter and everything in life happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you, you're the yep. reason. So <clears throat> That's the attitude I had. So I was looking at my situation saying, you know what? I'm sick. I haven't been taking care of myself. 
this, you know, raw food diet is something I've never done. Like it's nothing like I've ever put in my body. And I, I wonder what'll happen if I do this, right? I wonder right. what'll change in my body if I start overdosing on nutrition. And mm -hmm. I was very optimistic that that my situation would improve, right? Yes. So I'm going to stop eating, you know, Wendy's cheeseburgers and Burger King Whoppers, <laughs> basically anything yeah. I wanted whenever I wanted, which was my previous standard American diet and right. start doing this. So I went all raw in the beginning mm -hmm. for 90 days, all raw, did some juice fasting. I, I did Dr. Richard Schultz's incurables program. I found okay. a naturopath and was working with him. And so he ordered a lot of blood, urine, saliva tests, stuff like that. Had me on some, mm -hmm. some herbal supplements and nutraceuticals. So I was really, really getting after it, trying to do yep. everything I could, I could find and afford to get well. Yep. At the 90 day mark, or, you know, roughly, or at roughly about 90 days, um, you know, we were looking at my situation and I was about 130 pounds, 6'2", right? Oh, I was wow, feeling yeah. great. You are a tall man. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling great, but I looked like Jack, the skeleton from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Like, I looked like that guy. I was just so bone skinny. And like, when I looked in the mirror, it was just awful. And so he was like, you know, you, you need more cooked food in your diet. You just need some more cooked food. You know, you're not getting enough calories from the raw diet. And I was eating giant salads, like tons of the, what we know, the top 10 anti-cancer vegetables, garlic, onions, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, spinach, right. beets, right? Like, um, so mushrooms. So I was like eating these giant salads for lunch and dinner. I was mm -hmm. juicing 64 ounces of carrot juice every day. Uh, I was drinking fruit smoothies with for, you know, uh, organic, everything was organic, of course, but berries right. and fresh coconut and banana. So I was like mm -hmm. really, really loading up on fruits and vegetables and, and the most potent anti-cancer fruits and vegetables specifically. But I, okay. I was getting tons of micronutrition, like I was getting all these vitamins and minerals and enzymes and phytonutrients, like all this really wonderful stuff, but I wasn't getting enough calories. So I was like really skinny. Right. So, so you're also not getting enough fat to essential fatty acids. Yeah, I wasn't, I was doing, I was having avocados and coconuts and I was taking mm -hmm. uh, Udo's oil, which is an essential fatty acid blend, but still I was right. too low on the calorie side. So he said, look, we need to add some cooked food to your diet. So mm -hmm. uh, he said, why don't you start at night? Why don't you start eating like sweet potatoes or brown rice or quinoa, you know, some yeah, some starches. So I said, okay, I started doing that. And he said, and, and I think you need to add some, you, I think you need some animal protein. And okay. at the time I was like, I figured, well, I'm, I'm probably never eating another animal again. Right, but right. I wanted to live. That was more important to me. Like I didn't do, I didn't make my diet change for animal reasons. I made it to save my life. Right, exactly. So <laughs> he said, yeah. Then when he said that, I was like, well, okay, you know, if you think so, I'll, you know, I can, and he said, so I think you need to eat wild caught salmon or organic lamb just a couple mm -hmm. times a week, you know, two three times a week. You just need right. more, your protein wasting. That was what was happening. Like my body was protein wasting yeah. at that time. It was, it was basically breaking down my muscles. And this is a really important conversation to have uh, for diet and nutrition across the board for anyone. Yeah. Uh, is that there are certain uh, proteins, there are certain uh, vitamins, B vitamins, iron that you can't get from just a strictly plant-based diet. Yeah. You, you just got to be careful. I mean, and some people thrive on plant-based diets and there's, they're out there, they're on the internet and they've yep. been for years and that's great. That's great. Yeah. But dogma, it can be very dangerous. Yeah. And there's certainly lots of testimonials of people that were plant-based for years and then they really had major health decline over time yep. because they ended up with some deficiencies. So the, the yep. gist is, it's just, you've got to figure out what's working for you before you just believe exactly. some guy's book. So yeah. <laughs>
Um, True. So we added back a little bit, you know, just a little animal protein and some mm -hmm. cooked food. So I went from 100% raw to about 80% raw. Okay. Okay. And it was still 98% plant-based, you know, I mean, right, right. literally yeah. two, two to three servings of meat a week when you're eating, you know, 21 meals a week yeah. right, with four or five servings per meal. It's, it's just a fraction of what's put, putting in your body. But anyway, it helped. I, right. I gained weight mm -hmm. back and I stayed with that diet. That was it. Like we got it dialed in and then took mm -hmm. lots of supplements and did, did a lot of different alternative therapies. I mean, vitamin C IVs. I had a Holda Clark zapper I was using. I was doing. Oh yeah. yeah Holda Clark. All yeah. Kinds of stuff. I just want to mention her book real quick. Um, mm -hmm. Secure for the cure for all cancers. It was a book that actually really changed my life and made me go, I'm getting into health and nutrition for the rest of my life period. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was a big game changer for me. And I saw it on your website yesterday. I was like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, cancers. But, but, and it's, it, that book is intimidating. I mean, she was hardcore. Yeah. Um, it has, yeah. has one of the best detoxification protocols, you know, parasite, liver parasite cleanses, um, that's out there. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely worth, yeah. worth reading and, and looking into for anybody, um, that wants to get well. So, um, so anyway, so, you know, fast forward, I just kept doing that. Right. And blood work, kept getting my blood work checked and had some scans along the way and things were just getting better and better. My blood was getting healthier and it was just kind of like one scan after the next year after the next, it's like no new tumors, no new tumors, no new tumors. Like wow. then all of a sudden it was so, five years and the, and you know, the doctors, uh, the oncologist that I ended up seeing, and by the way, I found an integrative oncologist who supported me a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, he did vitamin C IVs for me. That was the late Dr. Roy Page, but he, um, he was a, a godsend as well. And that's really, really important yes. for people, for people listening who have, who have cancer or they're dealing with this, um, to find a doctor who will support both pathways mm -hmm. for you. I never went back to the original guy that told me I was insane if I didn't do chemo. Uh, yeah, somehow yeah. it didn't feel like a good match. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, you know, hit the five year mark and, and, uh, it was like, wow, you know, okay, I guess, I guess I'm in the clear. And then, you know, it's funny because even though I was staying hardcore with nutrition and certainly reading and learning new things along the way, I didn't go public. Like the, in 2004, when I first started all this, January, 2004, there was no YouTube, there was no Facebook, like the internet sucked. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, pretty, it was, it was not, pretty limited. It was pretty much just an advertising vehicle. It was not helpful. <laughs> yeah, it was not helpful yeah. to me. And and even the mm -hmm. websites that were out there, and I found a few, but they didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. And I, I didn't, you know, it was just, I was very much alone. I was very, yeah. very much alone. I had my mom. I had this naturopath. I had an oncologist that that supported me, you know, sort of cautiously supported me. Yeah. And, um, and that was it, you know, and I had my faith that, that God was, that he was leading me and that he gave me this path and that he would see me through to the other yeah. side. And, mm -hmm. um, that's all I had, you know, it was all I had. Yeah. And then some, and it was very tough. I mean, there were days that I was very tough. It was, you know, the, the, the fear and the discourage, not discouragement, but just fear and anxiety and worry would would just creep in and mm. something i had to deal with almost you know pretty much every day especially early on yeah I'll bet and then, but were you still experiencing that worry and fear by the 5 year mark no. or things started much... yeah really by the time i got somewhere around 2 to 3 years out i was really feeling confident you know really re much less fear and worry and and by the way the whole time i felt great you know i was uh -huh. i felt amazing like, you know, yeah, you probably, probably felt better than you ever had Yeah, energy and vitality. And yeah. it was working and doing my thing. I'm in real estate, you know, flipping houses and 
rental properties and all kinds of stuff and doing all that. And, um, and so, yeah, I was, you know, just living my life and I had a, just a huge overwhelming amount of gratitude and joy and, you know, bliss, just, mm -hmm. you know, zest for life. And so that, that was wonderful. I mean, when you, especially when you contrast it to cancer patients who are being poisoned and they're throwing up and their hair's falling out and they want to feel uh, like dying, you know, and then they're getting rushed yeah. to the hospital from complications from the chemo. I mean, you know, that could have been my life. Uh, and yeah. so about the Thank five goodness. year mark, yeah, about the, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, about the seven year mark, I really felt like, okay, I, I need to go public. Like I need to tell people okay. the story. You know, you're like, I, I beat cancer. <laughs> like, me, you, you owned it. You're like, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me didn't want to, didn't want to think about it anymore, but the mm -hmm. other part of me knew it was really important. And I was like, it was like, I was hiding a really helpful secret and not sharing it with anyone. Yeah. And you know, I, I really wanted to get a distance myself from cancer, just get on with my life, but I couldn't like, it was too important. So I was like, all right, I'll start this blog and just put my story out there. And at least I'll know that, you know, maybe somebody will find it and it'll help them or whatever. It, I didn't have any kind of grand vision. You know, it was like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be on TV. Like I didn't, it didn't, that was not part of the plan. Um, right. It was just sharing. Yeah. But anyway, sharing, so I, yeah, sharing my story and I put it out there and started writing, you know, blog posts about nutrition, things about nutrition and different things I did and what I learned and just, you know, I just kind of just piecing things together and sharing them in bite-sized, you know, portions for people to consume. And, and the blog just grew really fast because I, what I didn't realize was there's a lot of people out there looking for information yeah. that I was giving, you know, just Google was very, very, uh, very helpful to, you know, lots of yeah. people were finding. Yeah. And then Facebook think came along. And so of course, social media helped people find me. And then before mm -hmm. I knew it, yeah, it was, you know, the blog was getting tons of traffic and, People were asking me to speak and asking me to coach them. And, you know, I get a call to That's be on Ricky great. Lake and, you know, just stuff, just like great stuff. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So you're really, you know, you're being, God is using you as this mouthpiece to, to share this information with people. And if you think about the collective, the amount of people that get diagnosed with cancer that sit in front of a doctor just like you did. Mm. And are told they're insane and while their intuition is telling them there's 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 another way. I know there's another way. I just don't know what it is yet. And now you're giving them this is what it, it is or what it can be for you. Yeah. You know, well, something uh, else I should mention is that mm -hmm. as the site grew, I more and more survivors started contacting me and saying, hey, I, I healed, too. Right. I healed yeah. 1980 and or whatever. Right. And so then yeah. I started interviewing other people that had healed cancer with nutrition and natural therapies. And so yes. now there's over I don't know, 50 something interviews with people that have been, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 year survivors. Uh, yeah. Who said love it. I love therapy. it. So there's all these awesome Skype interviews on there. And I, I mean, I say they're awesome because the people I'm interviewing are awesome, not because it's me. And so it's really turned into just a huge resource of encouragement and practical steps to, for yeah. just if you want to change your life, you want to take control of your health. Like these are the things you have to do. Like you've got to change your diet. You've got to start exercising. There's definitely supplements. There are supplements that may be very beneficial and could help you. And you've got to change your attitude and you've got to forgive. You know, you have mm -hmm. to look at all the stresses in your life and make some decisions and say, hey, is my mm -hmm. job worth dying over? You know, because yes. I hate it and it's so stressful. Yeah. No, it isn't. Um, yeah. Is my the abusive relationship I'm in worth, you know, dying over? Nope. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So exactly. And this is an important point. I think a lot of people don't necessarily equate with the disease, but uh, um, I've actually read uh, research about cancer and how the diagnosis is often given not very long after a traumatic event, like a divorce or a death of somebody very close to you. Um, You know, something that might have caused there's a a big link between resentment and cancer. Oh, yeah. Resentment, bitterness and unforgiveness is really all the same thing. Yeah. Uh, And no, it's true. What you're talking talking about, um, and this is so common, I've talked to hundreds of cancer patients, this is just, I hear it, I hear it almost every time. In fact, I can almost predict it when I'm talking to someone, uh, which yeah. kind of situation they've had or several, but most cancer patients are, are the following. They're unhealthy and they're teetering on the brink of disease, right? They're living, mm-hmm. a, in a, they've got a lot of chronic stress. They're not mm-hmm. taking care of themselves mm-hmm. and they've been, they've just been teetering on the brink of disease for years, just yeah. right on the edge. And then something catastrophic happens in their life. And that mm-hmm. is like the cancer trigger. That's what pushes them over the, the, the edge. And their immune system bottoms out and their body just, it's like, just, I give up kind of thing. Right. And you, right. you're right. It's divorce. You know, it could be lawsuit. It could be a business failing. Mm-hmm. It could be the death of a loved one or even a pet. Uh, yeah. You know, something that you really, really care about. And so abusive relationship, new job that's extremely stressful you know, mm-hmm. so absolutely those there's, it's, it's a combination of the person with chronic stress and then some very significant traumatic events in their life that, yes. that just sort of like, it's like, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back or uh, yeah. the perfect storm. You know. And then there's the, uh, there's something that Nancy Appleton says in her book, Lick the Sugar Habit. I love this quote and it's a really bold thing that she said is it's cancer happens for one reason, abusive lifestyle. I, and I could uh, say I, that that's not, I don't agree with that actually. I okay. think that for the most part, but we do have people getting cancer because, you know, giant manufacturing companies are polluting their, their local drinking water. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. Know, so there is that, absolutely. there's that factor, right? But it's the so diet lifestyle factor is huge and it accounts for most cancer patients, but environmental pollution isn't another significant one. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think she meant by abusive lifestyle. It's not just, it's just that our normal American lifestyle is abusive and we don't see it as such. We're we told- see it as this is just what we do. You know, we we're breathing in these chemicals. We're putting chemicals on our body and body products. Oh, yeah. We're, we're taking as even supplements can contain all kinds of byproducts and toxins. And, yeah. Well, and this is what um, Americans need to know. Americans yeah. need to know. And most of them, I think, don't know that most of the rest of the world, especially mm-hmm. non-industrialized nations, have yep. very low cancer rates, much yep. lower than the U.S. So like one example Sub-Saharan Africa, the colon cancer rate is 50 times lower than the U.S. Most of Africa has a third of the overall cancer rates of the U.S. Most of the Middle East and Southeast Asia, a third Mm -hmm. of the cancer rates of the U.S. And depending on the country and the type of cancer, it can be way lower. But Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, even Mexico has half the cancer rates of the U.S. Mexico. Half the cancer wow. rates. So Mexico, and your rates uh-huh. of cancer are probably going to be cut in half. If if you live like a poor Mexican, obviously, if you just keep eating like Western diet, then not so yeah. much. But it's the Western diet and lifestyle. 
that contributes yeah. so much to our cancer rates. And what is that? What's the difference? Well, in poor third world countries with very low cancer rates, they eat plant-based diets. So they're not vegan, right. but they eat tons of starches. They eat tons of potatoes and rice and corn and especially beans, tons mm -hmm. of beans. And they subsist on starchy root vegetables and plant foods. Of course, they eat fruit. Of course, they eat leafy greens and things. But the starches make up their diet. And plantains, right, are wonderful, cassava, hey. and they eat very little meat and dairy because it's scarce. If you're an right. African tribesman, right, you're not going to kill a chicken and eat it every night. You're going to run out of chickens. You're not going to kill yeah. a cow, right, to have, so you can have steaks unless the village is having a feast, right? Yeah. If the village exactly. is feasting, then yes, there's some cows that will be killed and everybody has steaks. Great, you know, but they're not doing that every week. That's like a few times a year sometimes, yeah. maybe monthly, a few times a year, depending on the, the region and the, you know, the village and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I want to point out something here I think is really important. And my, the research that I did to uh, talk to you today, one of the, the biggest groups of uh, cancer in the United States are African-American men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now you're, their diet here for African-American men is vastly different than the diet that we're looking at in, in Africa. Uh, well, there's a great so study. There's out. a great study that, uh, that your difference. listeners need to look up. And if you Google African diet swap, you'll see <laughs> this study they did where they took Africans and African-Americans and they swapped their diets. So the Africans started eating whatever fast food and stuff. And the African-Americans, they were giving them, you know, like lentils and peas and beans and, you know, grains and potatoes. They were giving them an African diet. And, uh, and they had dramatic changes in their blood work, both sides, right? The, the African-Americans had very, very significant improvements in their blood work and lower uh, precancerous markers. And then the Africans that were eating the American food had the opposite, right? Everything started wow. looking worse, like their blood yes. work got worse. Their precancerous markers went up. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful study. It's like, hello, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, this conversation's awesome. I could talk to you all day and oh, all night about this. It's such an amazing, uh, such an amazing man, and I love what you've done. Um, I do want to ask one more question, though. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell a newly or a cancer patient, whether they're newly diagnosed or they've been battling it for years? What would you tell them if they were sitting in front of you? Yeah. So. There's a video on my on the on my front page. It's of crispycancer.com called What Every Cancer Patient Needs to Know. Okay. And it's 11 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I can summarize it, but definitely if you have cancer, just go watch it. Just go watch this video. But the thing that cancer patients need to know is, one, this is not a death sentence. Mm -hmm. You Great. probably have a lot more time than they're leading you to believe. And yeah. you need to take the time to examine your life and think about why you may have cancer and make radical changes to your life, right? Read yes. and research, learn from people who have been successful at healing cancer, right? We, we learn from successful people. You want to start a business? You don't ask, mm -hmm. you know, your, you don't ask busboy, right? Yeah. You know, you <laughs> yeah, find you a successful owner. business owner or yeah. as many as you can and you learn from them. And that's why I have all these interviews on my site, because these are people who have healed successfully and they're open and honest about exactly what they did and all the changes they made and how they healed. So we can learn from the experience of others. And so that's what I encourage every cancer patient to do is just look, just start learning, just open your eyes, start listening and learning and seeking out people who have done what you want to do, 
which is heal, which is get well. Like it's not about some miracle cure or some miracle, yeah. you know, lotion or potion or whatever. You're not going to find any of that stuff on my site. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to find uh, me trying to sell a cure. What I'm sharing is information on how yeah. people have healed, like the, the tools and the tactics, strategies, the diet, everything, like what people do to heal. Yes, that's and awesome. And so, and the whole point is I built the site because I wanted it to be the website that didn't exist for me. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I wished exactly. it existed. Like, it didn't. Mm-hmm. And and I built it to be the thing that I didn't have. Right, for right. For people. That's wonderful. So um, just to recap, uh, it's Chris uh, ChrisBeatCancer.com. Yep, ChrisBeatCancer.com. Yep. That's awesome. And he has a podcast series. Mm-hmm. He speaks. He's a keynote speaker. He's got a ton of videos online about health and wellness and nutrition. He's um, yep. just channel, a massive. Facebook, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. You can you can find me awesome. pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In, in anywhere yeah. you're looking, Chris Beat Cancer is the handle for everything I do. So wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It's been so wonderful talking to you. You've given a ton of great information. Thank you, Meg. My pleasure. It was was just really fun. Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, where we bring you resources to help you heal yourself from chronic illness and persistent symptoms with food and the power of the mind. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes, and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.